0: Our Lord comes and tells him to set the net over, over the side of the boat again. St. Peter had no human hope for this. It would, ex- would only be natural for him to expect that he would not catch anything y- again. And yet, even though he foresaw that he would come out a failure once more, he did as our Lord asked. We can learn very much from this, this obedience, this purity of intention. And I would like to speak to you this morning of of this one virtue, purity of intention, and to take a look at three different aspects. Firstly, the importance of this virtue. Secondly, certain signs, whether we have this virtue or not. And And thirdly, finally, some effects of this virtue. Firstly, regarding the importance of purity of intention we can ask ourselves, firstly, what is this virtue? What is purity of intention? Simply put, it is a desire to please God in all that we do. When we get up in the morning and make our morning offering, my Jesus, all the prayers, sufferings, actions, joys of this day, and I offer up for you. This is an act of purity of intention that we desire to do all in our day, all our thoughts, words, actions, joys, sufferings, etc. All this is going to be done for the one motive of pleasing God. This is an act of purity of intention. This virtue is sometimes also called simplicity. Saint Therese of Lisieux frequently refers to it as simplicity of heart. Some of the other saints, um, Saint, Saint Alphonsus, also refers to it as purity of heart. So that our heart is devoid of anything of any other love but that of God so that whatever else in this life, whoever else in this life we love, we love for God's sake. This purity of heart, purity of our intention in what we do. Now, the root of this virtue is charity, divine love, loving God above all things and loving all, all, all things for God's sake. This is the root of this virtue. And from this root, shoots out a bud and its blossom is purity of intention. The fruit that comes from this virtue is detachment from creatures and attachment to God. Union with God is the fruit of this virtue. It's simply not enough to only avoid sin. It's necessary for us to do something positive, not merely the negative side of avoiding what's going to offend God, but we must positively please God. It is necessary for us to do good works, as the Apostle says in his Epistles. However, it's not simply enough to do good works, either. There's a lot of different motives for which we can do good works. Sometimes it's not simply that we're, not, we're doing these work, good works, as St. Louis de Montfort says, not merely to please God, but for some ulterior motive, some secondary motive which creeps into our good works. Frequently, it can be something like human respect. We're hoping that oh, well, everyone's seeing what I'm doing, and I hope they see it, and I hope they really think I'm really important. When that creeps into our good works, it spo- begins to spoil it. And this is an ulterior motive, so that we don't have this perfect purity of intention. It can also be, to give you another example, it, it can be something like, during Lent, and we have to fast, and we're thinking, oh, you know, this is so terrible, I have to fast. I know, I'm going to do, th- I'm, I'll fast this year at Lent in order to lose weight. This is, this is an ulterior motive, again. We're not doing it simply to please God, but to get something out of it for ourselves. Again, if someone were to donate money to the church simply in order to get a tax break, well, once again, it's not being done to please God. It's being done for some ulterior motive centered on self-love. So it's not enough for us to do good works for our salvation. It's vitally important that we must do them for the right reason. It's not enough to do good works. We must do them for the right motive, the right reason. To please God, simply because God is worthy of being pleased. He is worthy of our love because of all that he's done and suffered for us. He deserves our service. He deserves that we should serve him, to know him, to love him, to serve him, so that one day we may be happy with him in heaven. But our good works must be done for him, not for ourselves. Let us go on to examine the signs by which we may know whether we have this virtue of purity of intention. St. Alphonsus de Liguori gives four signs. The first one is if we are not troubled by failure. We have many things to do in our life. Sometimes we succeed, sometimes we fail. But how do we take that failure? Oftentimes it's very easy for us to to fall into discouragement when we see that our efforts haven't borne fruit. It's so easy to fall into that discouragement and to say, "Oh well, I should never have done that before," or "Sour grapes. That well, I didn't want it. To, I didn't really want this anyway." This is simply something natural. We must go. We must see beyond this. That if we fail, and it's not because of our own fault, if it's, if we if we fa- if we have failed in what we have been doing in life we should see it that God did not want us to succeed. Remember that there is a difference between the Protestant and the Catholic notions here. Protestantism teaches that you're going to succeed in everything you do because it shows that God's on your side. Well, it's not a question of God being on our side. We have to be on God's side, and therefore, he will give us the cross. And sometimes that means failure, either in our life work, or it can be even something happens with our children. It can be just our daily ordinary things, the, the toast burns, whatever. Whatever it is that we're failing at, we need to see it from God's point of view, that God didn't want it to succeed, and therefore neither should we. This gives us a great peace in life that to know that we have been trying to please God and it pleases Him, that despite our good efforts, He has still ended up as a failure. The second sign that St. Alphonsus gives of having this virtue of purity of intention is if we are happy just as much with the good that others do as if we ourselves had done it. This is a good sign of fraternal charity, also, because it shows that we're not envious at the good of another. We're not saying we're not criticizing the works of others, or saying, "Ha ha, they did pretty well, but I could have done it better, of course." Or if it's a case of, "I wish they hadn't done that. I wish I had done it instead, so that I could get all the glory of the good work." Again, these are cases of this ulterior motives of self-esteem, self-love, pride, that are creeping into our good works. If we rejoice in the good that others do as just as much as we would as if we had done it ourselves, this is a good sign that God has given us this grace of purity of heart, of purity of intention. The third sign is if we do not want any particular assignment or to live in any particular place, but we are happy with the work or the place that is given to us by our superiors. This can be very difficult at times, because we oftentimes we prefer one kind of work to another. Sometimes we feel more capable for one kind of work and we feel less capable for another kind of work. Oftentimes we have to give ourselves to God and simply say, Dear Lord, if this is what you want, and you'll you'll, you'll see that it comes out okay in the end. It requires a great deal of this purity of intention to be able to, to be willing to make the sacrifice that perhaps we won't have a job that we like or to live in a place that we like, that God might dispose it otherwise for us. This is a sign if we if we can if we can go through those things and go to God, that whatever the circumstances God gives us, that we desire God alone in those circumstances, that's a sign, a good sign that we have this purity of intention. The fourth sign is if we don't look for thanks or approval in what we do. Oftentimes it's this can be, this part can be difficult because if we do something good, it's so easy for us to go out and say, Hey, everyone, look at what I've done. It's really good, isn't it? Again, it spoils the purity of our intention because we're not doing it in this case simply for God, but we're hoping to get something out of it to support our own ego. And while it's true that at times we really do need the encouragement, sometimes it is more than just that, that we really are bolstering our own pride by wanting everyone to be grateful to us for every little thing that we do, and when we feel when we feel sensitive because someone hasn't paid attention to us or whatever it may be that, that they haven't noticed the, the, what we've done for them, these are all signs. That there's an ulterior motive in there that is that is seeping in to our motive of pleasing God. Also, if people do praise us, then purity of intention helps us to keep from becoming vain. If people praise us and say, oh, what a good job you've done, etc., we're not going to, on the one hand, we won't fall into a false humility and say, oh, no, no, I haven't done it, I have done it, which is a false humility. But on this other hand, we won't go get into pride, which, which says, yeah, I'm pretty good, aren't I? Rather, it keeps us in the state of a loving humility, realizing that I'm just an instrument in the hands of God. That it's not I who have actually done this good work by my own strength. It's God who's been working through me. It's God who deserves all this glory, all the praise. And this helps us very much to attain this this purity of intention. Moreover, if we're not looking for thanks or for approval from others, it gives us this great peace, because it won't matter whether we succeed or fail in what we do. We'll only be looking for to please God. And as long as we've got this as our goal in life, as long as we've got this as our aim to go after we know that we will not fail at this, we know that we will succeed at this, and therefore we can always be a success in the most important thing in life, which is to please God. Even if the, what we're doing does fail, we know at least we will always be pleasing God, and that is what matters. Come what may, the crosses that come, the, the failures that we occur, that occur in our lives, those will be simply accidental, secondary, because we're not looking for that kind of success. Ultimately, we must do our best, obviously, but ultimately, it is not our success is not based on the success of the material part of our life. Rather, our success is simply. Pleasing God. And as long as we have this desire and try to increase this desire to please God within us, then certainly we will always be a success. Let us go on to see some of the effects of this virtue of purity of intention. Firstly, it makes all our works divide, even the smallest of our works. No matter what it is in life, that, that we do. We don't have to do great works for God. We don't have to scourge ourselves to blood. We don't have to go into ecstasies by, with prayer. We don't have to travel halfway around the world to preach. God doesn't ask these things of us. God. God does ask of us to do the normal, everyday things in our life to please Him. That's part of our salvation and our sanctification. So whether it's going to work, having to go through the commute traffic, having to put up with the people at work, all these things, and the computer breaking down, whatever. Whether it's they're at home vacuuming, changing diapers, making the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the kids, driving, driving 10 screaming kids to school in the morning, all these things. Or for children, it's the, the daily drudgery of, of schoolwork and homework and having to diagram sentences and do all sorts of ar- arithmetic. All these things we can offer up to God to please Him. And as long as we've got this goal in life, then all those little things in our lives will be turned into spiritual gold. They They will please God. They will be sanctifying ourselves, and they will be helping to save other souls also. Another effect of this great virtue of purity of intention is an intense interior peace. Things may be going on in our lives, all the ups and downs of our daily life changing all the time, and yet in our souls, at the bottom and the depth of our souls, we will have this great peace, because we will not be at enmity with anyone, nor will we be envious of the good works of others or what they have. Rather, our our interior eye will be set on God trying to please Him in all that we do, and that gives us a great peace amidst all the turmoil and turbulence of this life. A third effect of this virtue is a genuine sanctity, because we do become instruments in God's hands through this virtue. It is Christ who begins to work through us for the salvation of souls for our own sanctification. Another effect is what St. Paul refers to as liberty of spirit. In other words, because we are free from all the attachments of this life, that we use creatures only to please God, and that we love our neighbors only for love of God, then we are free from creatures, free in order to be attached only to God, to be united to Him. Another effect is for those who have this purity of intention, who strive to please only God in all that they do. It turns out that God does their will. In the Our Father, we ask our Lord, Thy will be done. And that is the goal of our lives, in order to do God's will. Once we have actually achieved this, this union with God, with God's will, we desire everything that God wills, whether it's success or failure, whether it's health or sickness, whatever it may be, that we will what God wills. Then it turns out, He returns that love, and He does our will. So that all the crosses that come to us in our lives, we see them as acts of love of God for us. He doing our will, in fact. A last effect of this purity of intention is that, having gone through all the vicissitudes of this life, that finally, when we come to death, we will have a happy and a holy death, that we will not one that will be fearful, but rather one that we will look forward to, because if we've pleased God all our life, it will be a joy to meet Him finally face to face, to go to our judgment and to be, hap- and that we will know that we will have a good judgment and that at the end of our judgment, our Lord Jesus Christ will turn to us and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And this certainly is something worthwhile seeking after trying to imitate this, this purity of heart of our Lord. He himself, in, in the Gospel of St. John, says, I do always the things that please my Father. We can imitate Jesus in this virtue. Imitate Our Lady also, for this virtue of purity of intention was also hers in a special way. And so we have seen the importance of this virtue, some of the signs whereby we might know if we have this or not, and also some effects which flow from this virtue. How can we apply this to our own lives? How can we practice this purity of intention in our daily lives? Firstly, by our morning prayers. Our morning prayer usually Uh, includes an act of offering, whereby we offer to our Lord all the thoughts, words, actions, joys, and sufferings of this day. And this is an act of purity of intention. We are saying that whatever happens to us today, whatever we do, we're not doing it for ourselves, we're doing it for Jesus. And that's important. And it's not simply enough to do that when we first wake up in the morning, is something important for us to renew during the day. If we do our morning offering just the one time during the day, it's easy to go about our work and completely forget about for the rest of the day. Whereas, if we can renew it from time to time during the day with some little act, some little, little prayer, some little ejaculation, some ejaculatory prayer, my Jesus, I love you, Mary, help me, my God, I believe that you are here present. Any of these little acts like this Feed our mind and our heart so that we keep up this love of God and try to increase in this love of God this purity of our intention. We remember who it is that we are working for. And this is important. In this way, we will be able to practice this wonderful virtue of purity of intention. Let us ask Our Lady, Our Mother of Perpetual help in a special way for this grace to always increase our love of God, to do away with those ulterior motives which spoil the work that we do, and to increase our purity of heart, this purity of intention, this simplicity, to seek God and God alone in all that we do and in all those whom we love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.